Welcome to Rhythm of Previews, where we check out the preview chapters of Rhythm of War, fourth Stormlight Archive novel. I am Danielle with the 17th Shard. And hi, I'm Marvin. I'm finally cured of my air sickness up here in Eurythiru. So that's good. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so this chapter, chapter 15, is going to have, obviously, Rhythm of War spoilers, but it's going to have very big Warbreaker spoilers. So if you haven't read Warbreaker, do it before Rhythm of War comes out, or you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's uh, talk about the annotations that we have for chapter 14. Yeah, so uh, this time around, Brent didn't talk too much about like details of the book as such, but he talked about the concept of immortality and how it uh, really fascinates him. And he talked about, he apparently wrote some unpublished works uh, before where he's uh, that sort of deal with this idea and i don't think we know what these would be i guess dragonsteel might be one because we might have some immortal potentially immortal characters there but like either of night as far as i'm aware doesn't really cover that much and white sand pros again doesn't either so maybe we'll so someday see them in some form but yeah well we're going to be dealing with some in rhythm of war because we have the fuse yeah. and everything. So, yeah, that's like the context for this annotation as well. Like we had the mm -hmm. fuse who uh, were uh, sort of affected by the immortality, I guess you could say. And so Ren is interested in how it sort of would affect a single human life. And uh, when they see all those years passing and he's excited for us to delve more deeply, especially into the personalities of some of the fuse in this book. Um, so we'll be getting we'll be we'll be getting some impressions of immortality, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that because the fuse either they are con gone completely mad or they are very intriguing characters like Rebonial. I want to see more of. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, yep. That's really exciting because um, we don't really. I mean, I guess the returned from Warbreaker are considered immortal, except they need to mm -hmm. eat like one breath a week and then the chandra mm, i don't know yeah i and i guess we'll find out a little bit about returned and other cognitive shadows in this chapter <laughs> so yeah oh yeah big time in this chapter <laughs> um so let's let's go into the epigraph because this is kind of a long one our epigraph states it's more from navani of course that logic spren when imprisoned varied their brightness on different stimuli and so rates of stormlight for example that leak out of the gemstone can cause the spren to dim and brighten in intervals and then she also mentions that different types of metals cause different patterns of like a blinking or like kind of that strobe effect Yes, and I, that's basically all it all it kind of goes over. And I just like okay that that epigraph sounded to me like logic spread in some way sort of stormlight transistors the way Navani talks about them like the way different metals can sort of make them have different effects. Mm -hmm. And I just find that really cool because I feel like that will be sort of the way they'll discover or develop proper febrile computers in a way. Mm -hmm. So. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. It's almost, they're almost like the blinking kind of reminded me of like an on off switch or something. Mm -hmm. So like you can create a, a program 
kind of like when you play Minecraft or something and you use like the redstone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was yeah. the, like exactly what my mind went to with the logic sprint. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I, it makes sense for them to be called logic sprint then. Like, I wonder whether, like, if that name came after they discovered their use in Fabrils or whether it is something they are like because it came when people were, I guess, logical. So that because these essentially are logic gates, if you think about it, for uh, mm -hmm. that um, this logic sprint can create. If like she doesn't outright say you can sort of like, I don't know, create an end gate or something like that, but I totally expect that uh, the next annotations to go into that. So yeah, that's really definitely. Cool. <laughs> and she also mentioned again how difficult the logic spren are. So there mm -hmm. hasn't been a lot of research just because of the the rarity of um, using them. But I'm kind of confused. So do the logic spren are they just like around, or are they actually in the gemstone? I assume they'd be in the gemstone because she says uh, they are hard to capture as well. So. Um, mm. Yeah, but I guess like if you have more complex fabrials, they'd still be in a gemstone, but I guess they could interact with others in some form. So, yeah. And then she's mentioning like the stormlight leak rate causing uh, them to be able to make a clock and it's mm -hmm. really uh, accurate. But I'm also really confused on how they control that leakage mm -hmm. of the stormlight. Like, is that just due to the cut or does it have something to do with maybe a cage with a certain type of metal or something? Like, what is the mechanism for controlling the amount or speed that the stormlight is leaking from the gemstone? Yeah, I was wondering the same. And like, just how regular, I guess, uh, like, is the clock cycle sort of of mm -hmm. the stormlight or of the... Of the logic sprint, is it directly linked to the uh, rate of leakage, or is it more like I don't know? It's like as soon as you have some leakage, it'll it'll be at a constant rate and things like that. So that'll definitely be interesting to learn more about. But yeah, we definitely mm -hmm. get like all the building blocks for computers here because you need mm -hmm. a clock cycle for like a processor or for a CPU, and you need gates that's basically everything so yeah <laughs> makes me excited for like the whole fabriel storyline and everything because mm -hmm. it's going to get really creative and see how these um artifabrians are able to come up with new weapons but also <laughs> new like um just improvements to their quality of life using the Fabrile. Yeah. So like later on in the chapter, we're going to see some applications of not necessarily Fabrile, but like a way that this kind of tool can be used to improve their life in the tower too. Yep. Actually, because you already mentioned it, I, guess, I wonder whether maybe the rate at which the spren pulses isn't, or is like bound to the rhythm, rhythms in some way. Mm -hmm. Could also mm -hmm. be the case. And I wonder if it's only the logic spren that can do this, or hmm. if if other like these glowy type spren, like life spren, <laughs> glory spren, all mm -hmm. of those ones that are like just a little blob that glows. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it, actually, when um, logic spren appear as like sto little storm clouds, in a uh, like mm. they look like little storm clouds, it almost yeah. 
it, like it almost fits like they could be sort of electricity related in a way as well because oh. you have like lighting and so mm-hmm. it's i like the, that idea the, that's cute <laughs> <laughs> maybe because like the I- ideal in some way of like logic gates and stuff like that would normally work with like with electricity but um Rocha, they just have an alternative yeah so that was like a, a long epigraph compared mm-hmm. to the rest of them um but you kind of answered some of our questions from last chapter yeah, <laughs> about the application of the logic sprint. Okie dokie. So uh, chapter 15 is called The Light and the Music. And it's a Kaladin chapter. Um, Kaladin has gotten used to the idea of being retired from the front lines. He's kind of dealing with it in his own way. They ended up promoting Sigzil to Kaladin's position, and then they promoted Scar to be Sigzil's second, um, which two very capable windrunners. So I'm really happy for them and excited to kind of see where they're going. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. In this chapter, Kaladin is kind of searching for his new purpose in life. He's trying to figure out what is he going to do now that he can't do what he wants to be able to do. And so he's um, decided to search out everybody's favorite ardent, not Syl's favorite ardent, but everybody (laughs) else's. On their way to the sparring grounds, Kaladin kind of detours to these special gemstone fields that Navani has orchestrated to see Verlaine and to tell him the news about Yunfa, the honor spread from several chapters back. Um, and Relaine responds, he doesn't want the bond to be like a forced bond. He he thinks that it sets a bad precedent. So they talk about other things, but then Kaladin moves on. He doesn't quite get it. He He's like, it was just an order. It's not like I'm forcing him to do anything. <laughs> I don't get that. But um, then he continues on to see um, the ardent Zahel, Zahel, uh, to ask to see if he could become a teacher for soldiers. And Zahel challenges him to a sparring match amongst laundry hanging up and they fight and he ends up tangling Kaladin in some colorful cloths and obviously wins his little fight and they're discussing Kaladin's love for the fight and that he's not going to be a very good teacher because he's going to want to run off and fight on his own and after they discuss this Kaladin asks Zahel what he is because he knows that there's something weird about him and he answers honestly, a little cryptically, but but he answers honestly that he's an invested entity. He says he's a type two invested entity. And he even mentions hoid or wit or dust is something else entirely. And then he's warning Kaladin about these invested entities, this creature. He says it's like a spren imitating a human. Or he also calls it a dead man walking. And Kaladin tries to apply this knowledge about invested entities to what he knows about the fused, because that's his one track mind. <laughs> and he's trying to think of um, ways that this could be used to kill them, as Zahil's proposing. And he's also trying to think of ways that he can maybe convince them to stop fighting. And that's about where the chapter ends. He leaves Zahil alone with his thoughts. <laughs> So what are your thoughts about chapter 15? 
I was waiting for uh, Resha like Sahel to finally show up. I didn't expect it to be quite this early in the book, but it's great nonetheless to have him here. Uh, because like Brandon mentioned at some point, or has had a warp that like we'll have um, a scientist explain some of his mistakes, which everybody jumped to it being Vesha. And I feel like this is, if not all of it, at least the beginning of him explaining stuff, and that's really great. But we pr should probably, before talking all about that, maybe just go through it chronologically so we don't lose trick of everything yeah i agree that's probably the best <laughs> so we have at the beginning of the chapter we have kaladin talking to sill and mm. sill's like floating along and she's shaped like this upside down ship and i thought that was really <laughs> cute because kaladin's yeah. like what the heck are you <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> but it's yeah. kind of cool because she's replicating a picture that navani had drawn oh. it's not even like a real thing it was just a an image mm -hmm. and like we in was it it was 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 it words of i think it was words of radiance uh, but in, the, in one of the previous books we had these uh drawings from navani's sketchbook before where she sort of drew these airships and i find uh, like and she talked about how uh, already in her chapters how she wants to improve on the um uh, fourth bridge and so it's mm. cool to see that she hasn't given up on her like fancier designs and still wants to like not just a functional airship but one that also looks really cool so yeah yes and that would look the, really cool <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah yeah Kaladin thinks it would look or it looks silly but uh, the designs she had already look really cool so i don't really agree with him there so well, Kaladin's not really like this big dreamer or anything. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's, not, he's yeah. not one to be creative. <laughs> mm -hmm. And another thing that like Syl said there, like she was talking about how the Ardens, like Kaladin mentions he wants to go to the Ardens and talk to them. And she talks about how they must be so wise because they're all ba um, bald uh, or like sh shave their heads. And I find it really funny how she talks about like she doesn't really understand the human body much or like she thinks it's gross gross that we have hair and I just find it's really funny. Gross. Yeah, that was it's really just, cute. You know, I mean yeah. her her logic with that is I mean I could follow it. Like she's like mm -hmm. you you get rid of your waist really quickly, but you leave the hair on your head. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, when Kaladin mentions you have hair, she's like, no, I don't. This is all <laughs> just me. Like, this is, this, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just always great to have her around, especially if, like, Kaladin isn't, like, and, like compared to the previous chapters, Kaladin isn't a mm -hmm. lot, um, oh, is a lot better off because he has sort of found his peace, at least to some extent with his new position. So uh, he isn't in that much of a dark place anymore. And that's, really good to see but still cheering him up uh still is always great mm -hmm. and then um they're making their way down to those fields that mm -hmm. were like high up in the tower above the the storms everything and he's kind of mentioning like all the changes that have gone through and this is what we're talking about in the epigraph so um, they have like those big emeralds huge emeralds that are glowing so bright that they cause like that um, like image in his eye when he looks mm -hmm. away, you know, <laughs> the burned image in his eye. Yeah. Um, and, and they're kind of 
just around the field. And that was kind of Relaine's uh, contribution to the whole process. Yep. And I think this is finally sort of the first confirmation that we have that the listeners did indeed not have soul casters mm -hmm. because Kellen thinks about how they had soul casters and used them as like their steady supply chain or like they didn't need a supply chain because they had soul casters. And in like Way of Kings, we had the Alethi um, theorize about the why they even need the gemstone or like the gem hearts uh, listeners and how they might also have soul casters. And we get a mention in one of the Wenli or Ashenai interludes where she talks about how they um, use gemstones for growing plants. So like this was foreshadowed, but uh, it's cool to finally for one have confirmation to finally see this in action. And I've, mm -hmm. it's just a really cool application, I guess, of, of um, gem or gemstones and stormlight. Yeah. And it's not just the gemstones that are used. Um, they also use the rhythms that Relaine is trying to teach the humans. And it's kind of like it's its own version of a Fabril without being like, you know, a construct. Because it's using almost all of the same things that a Fabril would use. Except mm -hmm. I don't I didn't remember if they had any metals or anything, but She's uh, Kellen says they are on like tripods or something like that, so uh, mm -hmm. they are like on big metal stands. But I don't think those contribute contribute anything. Mm -hmm. They're just there to hold them. So yeah, I feel, yeah, uh, I had the sort of same thought because it almost feels like they're um, they're sort of a natural progression in February or like level or hierarchy mm -hmm. of February in a way. You have these like we have the modern February's which required you, you to really imprison a spread and uh, like capture them and sort of in a way exploit them. Then you mm -hmm. have these more ancient fabrics like the soul casters, which at least I assume or like we've had some indications that that's the case. It's more on a more a sort of voluntary basis uh, with the spread, but it's probably still one spread that does it or like a fixed, like there's still a yeah, fixed relationship there. Mm -hmm. And then we have this one here where we have the live spread and no, re no metal involved and they just sort of, um, you just need stormlight, a gemstone and rhythms or like uh, rhythms. Mm -hmm. And the spren, of course, and this feels like almost the most natural form of of um, of Fabril. So I think there's something to that that like mm -hmm. we have different degrees of freedom for the spren in a way. Yeah, I I liked how they had the life spren and they were floating amongst the rock buds that they had planted mm -hmm. instead of being encased in the emerald yeah. gemstone. Um, and then the the rhythms part reminded me of, you know, that old science experiment where you have two plants and you talk to one <laughs> and you don't talk to the other. And the one that you talk to grows like greater. And we know it's because of carbon dioxide, but like this rhythms is kind of like a magical component that helps the plants grow when they don't have as much um, air or warmth or mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, it, that didn't even click for me but yeah it makes a lot of sense or oh, it's like a nice sort of real world analogy that Brent just used to sort of make a magical thing but yeah um it also like that they use rhythms and uh, Relaine talks about how he teaches them and he feels like they're starting to get better at sort of feeling the rhythms almost or at least singing or humming in the rhythms 
And it reminded me of last week's chapter where one of the nine sort of said that, oh, the humans don't really understand the nature of the melody of Rosha or something like that, or like mm -hmm. the tones of Rosha. And this chapter to me imply or says that they are at least starting to really mm -hmm. feel Rosha and um, feel the rhythm. Maybe that it could so, be like a learned mm -hmm. attribute. Like yeah. they can eventually learn how to feel the rhythms. Like they might not be able to do it instinctively, but yeah, it was nice to see how Relaine is like kind of hopeful for yeah. them. He's like, I think they're getting it. They're really getting it. It was just such a nice chapter with him, seeing him interact with people. Mm -hmm. And we've all, we also have Kaladin sort of saying he, he, when, which we also need to talk about how, uh, when he talks, Relay uh, tells Relaine he has a sprain for him. Mm -hmm. um, he he starts to grin for one, but he's also talking really excitedly and to a rhythm there, like probably excitement mm -hmm. or whatever the name would be. And Kaladin says like he can almost feel something sort of beyond just the tone mm -hmm. of the voice in some way. So I think I wonder whether that's an indication that search binders are like radiance would also be more perceptive to rhythms because they have a spread sort of to help them in a way so yeah. yeah that makes sense to me and i think i can't think of any particular examples but i'm pretty sure we've seen them like almost hear the rhythm like off in the distance mm -hmm. or something so there is this like notion that they can hear them they just aren't very good at it yeah <laughs> Which kind of makes sense with even the way that they hold Stormlight. They can hold Stormlight. They're just not mm -hmm. very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're... And then I was wondering with this, going back to the garden and everything, mm -hmm. they're planting the rock buds. So they put the rock bud paste and the rock buds are really small, Kaladin mentions. And he's like, they're not like as big as they normally would down on the ground, but they do have grain and they've, are definitely, you know, growing. Um, but it makes me wonder if like, what if they try to do use different plants, like plants that are more acclimated to that environment, maybe plants from like Shin or Shinovar, I mean, and, and uh, maybe even like the peaks or something mm -hmm. like if they're trying to force a plant to grow there that needs all this water and needs warmer climate and everything, maybe they'd have better luck if they tried different plants. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, especially with shin plants, I wonder whether that would work because maybe there's something there that like those won't, wouldn't be too uh, as receptive to stormlight mm -hmm. because they're not native That's to um, Rosha. But then again, the humans also are native, I guess, and can be healed by mm -hmm. stormlight. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it could definitely be the case that maybe they, with like better plants, they would be a lot better off. Just if the shin weren't so closed off and mm -hmm. finally start talking to people, maybe we see some of that. But I mean, it'd be cool if they could find some kind of maybe non-native plant and start growing that and mm -hmm. and kind of revolutionizing, you know, how when they domesticated wheat and everything, then you're able to make better types of bread, be more efficient with the wheat and everything. So it's like even more growth like we've seen so far in the whole book. Yeah. And uh, something else I wondered with about, about uh, with this uh, farming operation, because um, we know, or like Snavain at least suspects that the Radiants, like the old Radiants were growing on these platforms in Yurithuru. And 
that makes me wonder whether they used that very same technique or whether mm -hmm. it was purely something that the sibling did or like the fabrial of all of it or whether it was some interaction like they used both uh, like stormlight to promote the growth but also um, it was something like the Feb uh, the sibling raised the temperatures or something like that mm -hmm. so yeah i just want to see the tower come back alive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see how much more efficient it would be mm -hmm. so talking about the tower and the sibling um we have relain here of course in this chapter and uh Kellen talks to him about bonding a spren and the way he reacted to it really or like also his position here made me think he might be a candidate or like it really gives me hope that he might be a candidate for the sibling bondsmith and yeah so what did we all learn about there's lots of theories about who he's going to bond and what he's going to become <laughs> and everything i mean i really liked how he responded to kaladin mm -hmm. about that like he he doesn't want this bond that's forced he doesn't want it to be like a thin tenuous connection between him and yunfa the grumpy old man and <laughs> i don't know why kaladin just can't like get that through his head like that kind of bond just doesn't seem natural mm -hmm. <laughs> to relaine or to me um yeah he he seems to really be following this way of honor though so i mean i wouldn't mind if he became a windrunner with just in some other way mm -hmm. oh i'd be totally fine with that like that would be I could see that as well, but I agree with you that when it, in the very first chapter, when we learned about Yunfa and what Kaladin had planned for him, I felt like it took away a lot of agency from Relaine and mm -hmm. it like Kaladin even realized it in this chapter. Like he said, he says to himself, Oh, uh, I should have done for once what I promised him to listen to him and think, mm -hmm. uh, like he's saying something like that. So it's, I find it really good that uh, Relaine was like, Okay, no. I do not want to bond like Sprint just mm -hmm. because he feel uh, the Sprint was forced uh, to do it, which or he was ordered to do it. I guess that's mm -hmm. what Kaladin thinks. Um, yeah, I think no, what's really the difference, cool. really? <laughs> <laughs> I guess to a soldier there might be a difference, but uh, I don't see it either. Um, but um, I, I mean, Yunfa is still around, so he's still wanting yeah. to bond with someone. So any any of the the squires that are looking can can bond him i mean mm -hmm. as if they're willing and he's willing it's just relaine really wants to do it right you know which i totally respect <laughs> yeah and actually something else that made me think that relaine might be even uh, like the one of the reasons i think he might be a good candidate for the sibling has always been that like he's sort of the one singer or one listener who is among humans right now mm -hmm. so he's sort of in a position to connect people i guess or connect their people in a way so this chapter really reinforced it for me because um the way he he like he he really sort of forms a bridge i guess between like the humans and the singers here because he tr teaches them about the rhythms and yeah i guess connects with them in a way like he talks to farmers and uh, um, yeah teaches them stuff so i feel like that's uh, those are qualities that you'd look for in a bondsmith so i definitely love it if he would become the bondsmith just to see another i can totally see that 
the way that you put it, like as him being, you know, a, the liaison or something between right. the listeners and the humans, kind of like how Vin Lee was originally like working on doing. But um, <laughs> I mean, she's going to be in a position very soon as well, like being between the listeners and the humans because she's Mm -hmm. on her way to capture one (laughs) (laughs) just on the other side yeah it's really nice to see relaine like he's very sensitive and thoughtful about how he presents himself and he's in war form which i thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. that he just stays like that because he he wants to avoid being seen as the enemy but he still holds on to that form and then um in order to avoid the stigma, he's, you know, kind of leading the humans and teaching them instead of ordering them around and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's also has respect from them, like they're following his lead and everything. So he's in a good spot right now, I think. Yeah. And uh, I also really liked his, like, the story of how he um, was sent with the bridge cruise, mm-hmm. that he apparently like, was too smart of a parchment for his owner before it like mm-hmm. when he was a spy still so uh yeah i just love it to finally see some uh, some of his background explored because uh, he was just simply gone in oathbringer at some point and mm-hmm. it's cool to have him back and like actually do something and be more of a character i agree yeah. but it's kind of sad that he's still being like an outsider he's, even mm. with like the storm father and the, the honor spread and everything. Like they're still treating him like he is a potential enemy or a potential threat, which is kind of sad. Mm. And uh, regarding the storm father, like um, Relaine talks about how he's sort of prejudiced against him. I wonder whether that's like really the storm father uh, feeling that I guess, or whether it's maybe Tenebris cognitive shadow coming through there a little, because Tenebris seemed to be on the human side more uh, towards the end of, or I guess uh, after the beginning of the Desolations, because he formed the Oath Pact, uh, was involved in the Oath Pact and stuff. So, yeah, I wonder just what is up with that, because generally the Stormfather doesn't seem to really take sides at. He's against Odium, but uh, that's about it, I feel. So that's definitely going to be interesting. Maybe to some kind of that. like grained prejudice that mm-hmm. he doesn't actually realize he has, but he just kind of goes with it. Yeah. So then um, Kaladin, after he talks to Relaine and he kind of moves on to find Zahel. Is that how you pronounce it? Zahel? Mm-hmm. Zahel? Yep. Zahel? <laughs> I, mean, I don't like that word. Bren would probably say, say hell, but Bren's also say wrong. <laughs> it's a long ace. I, I don't like that name at all. I'm going to call him Vasher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, Kaladin keeps, you know, keeps on towards uh, seeing Vasher, <laughs> the ardent. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, he's, he arrives like right behind him and he's able to sense him, which immediately reminded me of Ray's sensing Shallan like coming up behind him. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a point in your theory that Ray's has some breath that gives him some life sense. I like that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we have a little bit of proof, a little bit of a hint. <laughs> yeah. As I said at the beginning, it's really cool to see Vasha here and, um, mm-hmm. 
uh, for one, he when he before they fight or like he says to Kaladin, he wants to see him prove himself in a fight, and he talks to him about how why he fights and um, yeah why he fights, and he says like talks about how no, he's fighting for Delina and Colin, uh, things like that, but that's not why he fights, and yeah uh, like. Vesha identifies that he's fighting it basically because he wants to protect others. Like that's his like he's a windrunner, of course he would. But he also talks about how um he doesn't find acceptance or hasn't found acceptance for the fact that he can't save everyone yet. And like it's that just continues the trend of sort of Kaladin uh, I feel towards his fourth oath where he has to mm-hmm. recognize that he does not or is not able to save everyone and just has to accept it in some capacity. Yeah, I feel like Oathbringer was definitely leading up to, for this mm-hmm. to be Kaladin's big theme that he has to accept that he can't be there every time. He can't save yeah. every person. Um, a lot of people theorize that that's what his next oath is. and I mean, that's pretty clear cut now. Mm-hmm. In my yeah. mind, I think. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I, if it was something else, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> this fun. Yeah, and then this this fight sequence was really cool too. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, like I that. So, um, just as a disclaimer, if you haven't read Warbreaker, <laughs> oh, well. please don't listen to the rest of this. Because and go read it right now. You're, you're gonna get major spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I I loved this fight sequence with Kaladin and Vasher, and he's like using the cloths, and people who've read Warbreaker immediately recognize mm-hmm. the cloths for what they are, you know, the colorful cloths. And Kaladin's like, "Well, it's something from Adolin's sock drawer or something," <laughs> or was that still saying that? It was still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so beating you with stuff from Adolin's still uh, sock drawer, <laughs> but. but uh, <laughs> It was really, really fun to see like this callback. And I had I have just finished reading Warbreaker <laughs> like last week. So I'm really into it. this chapter. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's funny how Vesha also says, like, oh, I won't be I don't want you flying and stuff like <laughs> during the fight, and he has to dull the edge of the shot blade. But then he himself, of course. He doesn't call it or when he when Kaladin calls him out on uh, calls uh, him out on it. He doesn't say it's cheating or he says it's not cheating technically, but he is awakening here and basically cheating. So it's like mm-hmm. that's a typical Russia thing to do. I feel and yeah, yeah. But I mean, he justifies girl. it. He's like, I wanted you know, I wanted to show you like or to see what you how you would react in the face of adversity. You know, mm-hmm. when you're overpowered. <laughs> Yeah. So he's he's such a good character. I Oh yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of like when he was teaching Vivana and everything. Like he's kind of a really tough <laughs> teacher. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't hold back. Yep. And uh speaking of Vivana, it's also cool like how he said, uh you fight like uh, when Kenan says you fight like her, oh no, she fights mm-hmm. like me and because uh, mm-hmm. he obviously taught her and um he doesn't seem to be too concerned that Vivenna is after him. Maybe she's just, okay, she's, I get. Doesn't he call her annoying or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> bad, but like he's not like afraid, I guess, or um, fears he'd be uh, in trouble. Like he's just, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, she's. she's yeah, annoying. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Vivenna, <God. laughs> 
And then he was still using those phrases, the Nalthus phrases, like, don't hold your breaths or something. (laughs) And then, and then he also said when, um, that Kaladin and Dalinar are two hens from the same nest, which I think it would still work on Rushar because they, they talk about chickens and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I haven't heard them refer to hens, you know, a female chicken. (laughs) So I noticed that when I was like, "Hmm." (laughs) no, I actually like, because we know like these books are translated from sort of some language into English and things Mm -hmm. are, uh, preserved so does he actually say hens for uh, female chickens there or something uh, in reality or what does he do they actually have a word for hen so but Kaladin didn't really respond to that one so it makes me think like yeah. it could be a Rosharn saying maybe like an odd one or something oh yeah but... it could be like one of those like uh, old sayings that they just mm-hmm. kept from from um, but they don't know the why <laughs> yeah but also with yes. the won't uh, he, that he won't hold his breath uh, pun, I guess is. I wonder how many um, uh, sort of emails or uh, complaints they'll get. That there's a typo there because it's capitalized the breath from people yeah. who haven't read Warbreaker. Enough. <laughs> I feel really bad for anyone reading this book who hasn't read Warbreaker. Like mm-hmm. this is yeah. this is going to be such a confusing chapter. They're going to be like, "What the heck is is this Zahel guy?" Like <laughs> I don't even know. Like. That would be really yeah. frustrating to read. I mean, we, we did get some hints of awakening in, in um, uh, Oathbringer when Vivenna was doing it, but this is like another level. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even yeah. Kaladin mentions he sees like these eerie figures and he's like, mm-hmm. that's not how the wind blows and rustles the fabric. Like they're actually reaching out towards him and trapping him and stuff. So, but he didn't really freak out that much about it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I guess maybe like he's in a world where magic is now becoming more commonplace. So maybe it's just, okay, mm-hmm. apparently Russia can do that. <laughs> yes. And he does have an idea that, um, that Zahel and the Azure and they're not from there. Mm-hmm. Like there's something yeah. else, you know? So he definitely has this idea. So maybe that's why he's not that surprised at them. Yep. Uh, but Vasher was like awakening all of those things and he didn't say anything. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering the same thing. That he was so he was he was doing some awakening, but he does it does mention like he touches the cloth before he picks it up, so he's taking his breaths back, but he didn't like say anything when he was mm-hmm. doing that. Or maybe it maybe it just is like he was saying it under his breath or something. That True. could work. But like if he doesn't have to say anything, that would mean he has a lot of breath. Because mm-hmm. mental command does require like it's basically something that requires uh, fifty thousand breath. Mm-hmm. So if so he does indeed have that many yeah. I mean, there has to be a way where he can like tampen down the um, light and mm-hmm. color um, effect around him because nobody mentions anything about things yeah. being like super um, vibrant around him or anything. So something weird with that. And then if he does have a lot of breaths, I don't even know where he got this from because like I said, yeah. I just finished my Warbreaker reread. And at the end, he only had his divine breath. He mm-hmm. literally used it all in his fight with uh, Denth. So yeah. that was kind of um, weird. I really want to read when Nightblood comes out, like <laughs> see where things go from from oh, the end yeah. of Warbreaker if it comes out. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, Nightblood will be such a good book, and I hope Brandon gets around to it eventually. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, but uh, it also made me wonder that maybe Vesha had has found out somewhere. Like we know he can um, feed his divine breath on Stormlight, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, that's at least something he can do. So maybe he's figured out. Like, maybe we have warps on it. Maybe we don't. But uh, like maybe he's already figured out how to fuel Awakening itself with Stormlight in some form, or, like convert it to breath or something. Because, that seems really um, OP. <laughs> yeah. But like, get where else would he get that many breaths from? Like, that's uh, yeah. God King levels, and mm -hmm. I don't think Susebron was giving his up anytime soon. Yeah, so. I'm I'm okay with the idea that he was just muttering it under his breath because he was like, you know, yeah. distracting Kaladin with all this stuff and the winds blowing too, and so maybe he was just saying stuff without Kaladin noticing. Mm -hmm. So that's why I know about it. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I guess if if he had really had mental command, it wouldn't require him touching stuff. So yeah, um, uh, yeah. and I guess it also like if he had it, he could also do like the drain stuff fully from off color. But I'm not sure whether it's that automatically happens or doesn't. So I guess yeah, it's really more of a, him muttering it under his breath. Mm -hmm. It would still be insane if he had that many breaths. So, yeah you know. uh, or or if he found a way to like turn um stormlight into something mm -hmm. like breath where he could use it like a unit of breath or something but that i don't know i don't know if it would even come <laughs> out like the same way because it seems you know everybody in nalthus is born with one how can mm -hmm. you convert a different form of investiture into something like that <laughs> But at least we got some other Vesha stuff here, like mm -hmm. his classical, or classically, I guess, but his like teacher voice and how he goes mm -hmm. on to info dump stuff on Kaladin. <laughs> and he sure seems to like his classifications a lot, how he talks mm -hmm. about these uh, type two and type one invested in entities. So. Yeah, cool I see. love his info dumps. Like he goes into full on like nerd teacher talk about like well you know science isn't isn't always perfect we have to change with w new things that we learn and all this stuff mm -hmm. like he's explaining it to Kaladin even though Kaladin didn't ask <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he also talks about like uh, Exxon or like uh, that like oh right when he shows him the fossil he says like every um, Exxon of it was transformed in a way and it's. I don't think we had the singular of that yet. We had Xi in or Xi in Oathbringer mm -hmm. when uh, Yasna so casts the air, but um, it's cool, I guess, to finally have the singular term for atoms um, now. Oh, that's it's interesting that he's using that term when it came from Yasna. I think. Um, uh, Chris actually uses it as well at some point in one of the Arcanums, so. It's a generic sort of cosmic term, really. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not like a, a term that the scientists on Roshar used. <laughs> well, like, they probably use it, but it's not. It's Either it's older than all of it, or it's just this translation stuff. I think that, maybe. Mm -hmm. that but, makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, that fossil was really interesting oh, yeah. that he had. It's like something like, I don't even have any idea <laughs> what that is, like where it came from or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to come from some planet that at least predates the shattering, but and probably a couple of million of millions mm -hmm. of years because that's the time frame you're talking about when you're talking about fossils. So 
that makes me wonder just how old I guess mm -hmm. Aiden Elsim was when he was shattered. Um, and which planet, of course, it comes from, whether it was Yolen or some other planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because a lot of the planets feel like they're really young. Um, they don't have like history, like, you know, we have dinosaurs and stuff. So mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of history like that that we know of. I think the oldest history of a planet is on Roshar, like, you know, a few yeah, millennia. Where, mm -hmm, where we know it, at least. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, and then Yolen some of the planets are manufactured, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, yep. Skadrial is was made by Ruin and Preservation, right? Yep, yep. And so I don't think they would like make a fossil just to put on <laughs> it or something. So it would have to come from a planet where it was, you know, created and done over time, over millennia, mm -hmm. organically. Yeah, and. Like then the next step is how did Vesher get his ends on it? Like mm -hmm. how? <laughs> like and why is it think... important to him? Yeah, and uh, I wonder whether Mrace has any fossils because like he has that Fane life branch, so he technically does have some form of access to Yolen and probably other older planets. So yeah, or maybe like Vesher stole it from him or something like that. Also be funny. That would be interesting. Yeah. And and then when he shows Kaladin the fossil, I loved how he took his canteen and he got his water and poured it over the fossil to look at the colors. That was such a nice like little nod mm -hmm. to Tien with his rocks and stuff. I just thought that was a really nice little touch. How he does it yeah. like just naturally, like it's an in it's like <laughs> um what's the word? Not like a tradition, but just does it because that's what he always says almost, with that cool yeah almost yeah. an instinct yeah uh, again, I really love that as well like he hasn't forgotten Tien and probably never mm. will and uh, it's just cool to see these little tidbits of franchises okay yeah have a little bit of Tien here <laughs> yeah. and then Vesha also talks about cognitive shadows and like how they are created and like what he calls type 2 invested in mm. entities while like real Spren are uh, type one entities for him. Mm -hmm. And I love probably Aeons you... and Aeons. Yeah. And I love how he, when he talks about how basically the uh, cocktail shadow can be reattached to a body, he says you can nail it back onto a body. And I feel mm -hmm. like <laughs> Bren is just reading us there. Who could be nailed onto a body? He's like trying to see which readers have read all of his books. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And then, and he's mentioning Seth too, mm -hmm. who's in prison, that sword, which I don't know why, why did he mention that <laughs> the sword like that? Like he's up there in the prison with dot, 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 that sword. Mm -hmm. Maybe saying Nightblood's name gives him power. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it at least continues the trend of not naming Nightblood in Stormlight mm -hmm. Archive because we still haven't had him name dropped. Yeah. It's always just like the sword or sword Nimi, I guess. And But like, yeah. it doesn't seem like he's trying to go and take it back or anything. Oh, yeah. That, it almost seems it, like he's, he's like, oh, good. Some other person has to deal with it now. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. Just the impression I got when he said it like that. He he talks about like uh, losing that sword was the best mistake he ever made, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, I mean he killed his wife with it, wife with it, and a lot of other people. And I feel like yeah, he really 
is okay. Or is uh, he wanted to lose Nightblood? He didn't. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want it back. But like, but he's still reunion, like kind of worried about it, you know? Oh yeah. He didn't really talk about it, but it, I really wonder what he thinks about Seth holding it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, whether he's fine with that. Or whether he thinks, yeah, uh, he doesn't really care, or like he's concerned that Seth is holding it, but definitely going to. I, I hope we see their reunion at some point, at least, uh, like between Nightblood and Wesher. Yeah, definitely. We also learn something new about cognitive shadows uh, in this chapter, I think, because um, Wesher says they are in fact are uh, uh, apparently bound and chained by their intent. And it's Did someone capitalized. say intent? Hi, I'm here. Uh, I, I I have put my camera on screen. Uh, producer Ghost Eric here. What's up? Hey, uh, you you guys didn't like the disembodied voice, so I'm here now. Uh, <laughs> I guess you've been nailed back onto a body. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I- important. It's not just intent, Marvin. It's capital mm-hmm. I yeah. intent. So. <laughs> I'm gonna go on and blab about capital I intent for a little bit. Sorry if that's the that, that's what I'm doing. It's uh, a okay. <laughs> so so the line uh, is: the longer one of us exists, the more like a spren we become. Consumed by a singular purpose, our minds bound and chained by our intent. Capital I. Now, so let me. I am going to do a YouTube video where I talk about capital I intent and this one sentence for probably like 30 minutes. So I'll I'll give you the short version. So long ago, in 2009, we had the Hero of Ages annotations uh, and said, so this is is Cosmere stuff, right? This this is all all, all Cosmere stuff. That uh, ruin the... Ruin was uh, well molded by the power's intent. And that was lowercase i. Mm-hmm. And intent has been a thing for actually a long time. It's actually mentioned in Emperor's Soul, uh, actually, next to the word connection, which is capital C. Uh, and so I assume, like, thus far, intent has been like, ah, yes, I intended to do that, like, I'm an Elantrian, I am specifically intending to draw an Aeon, right? Uh, And there has never been a word for, say, the purpose of a shard, or the name of a shard, like honor, odium, etc. And we know, because I I asked Brandon once if splinters have intent, and uh, of course the Divine Breath is a splinter, and they do have intents. So, I am interpreting this line... (laughs) As Brandon is canonizing the the purpose, the the name of both splinters and shards, capital I intent. That is new. Brandon, like, uh, I I talked about this in 2011 and stuff. And Brandon just, like, didn't really know what I meant by the word intent. Because I just took that from that annotation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because the fandom uses it, like, shard intent, I've always said should be lowercase i because it's never been capitalized. but. And Brandon's like, oh, yeah, we don't have an official term. We do now. It's capital I intent. Uh, because this minds bound and chained by our intent, that exactly sounds like vessels, mm-hmm. right? Like, yep. that is exactly mm-hmm. that. So, and since we know splinters have intent, then, uh, th- so it's a little different from you using magic and, like, desiring mm-hmm. a thing. But I think they're kind of related. Uh, anyway, yeah. so that's that's my uh, 
talk about uh, intent. Uh, stay tuned after in November sometime where I talk about every intent thing that happened in the Cosmere. Because amusingly, <laughs> mm -hmm. in like the Elantris 10th anniversary Ars Arcanum, they have a section on intention, but intent isn't capitalized. Actually, yeah. the first time intent was actually capitalized is uh, in Oathbringer. It's never capitalized. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. that. Wow. Yeah, when Odium's like, oh yeah, you have to, it, yeah, like in part two, you have to, you have to mm -hmm. do this by intent to release it. But yeah, Capital intent. You know, it's never <laughs> yep. been capitalized before. So, I mean, we, we couldn't correct it because we didn't know it was supposed to be capitalized. So <laughs> it's kind of like in like early stuff, like I think Alloy, like the Ars Arcanum had mm. Fortune, but Fortune wasn't capitalized because we didn't know it needed to be capitalized, <laughs> right? Because it's a, it's a yeah. bigger word, right? than just that so anyway that's my fun little conversation about intent but i do like the rest of that paragraph too it's such a great oh, end yeah. of this chapter mm -hmm. where he's like we're spren masquerading as men that's why mm -hmm. she takes our memories she knows we're not the actual people who died but something else given a corpse yes. to inhabit and calvin's just like she ends up he just walks away. Yeah. He's that, like, who? Like, what the heck are you doing? We know that's referring to endowment, mm -hmm. that uh, yeah. endowment when making return takes away the memories, which is very interesting. Yeah. Very I, I really wanna like, did Resha have a talk with endowment at some point? Like after, like we know she sort of does stuff with when they return, but after it, did he like go, hey, what's up? Well, we all know <laughs> uh, endowments at the Nalthian customs, right? Like, it yeah, makes oh, sense. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Oh, man, so good. So good. And like, where did Vesha mm -hmm. get that fossil? I was, I was just like, wait, yeah. like, did did he go to Yellen? Because we kind of have lobs that yeah. said that, that seemed to imply that Vasher only went to Roshar, but that there's yeah. another paraphrased one that's a little more vague, but mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I don't think that stuff matters. Brandon can change that, and that really doesn't affect the story at all, right? Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. So, like, he could have gotten to Yolan and got a fossil there or something, yeah. right? And I think that's why he's saying, like, oh, your planet could have fossils, because it wasn't, yeah. like, created by the shards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, I think it's really cool when he mentions endowment, like, well, her or she, mm -hmm. um, and, and earlier on when he was talking to Kaladin about like theology and stuff, he's like, oh, I know there's gods. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> so like he has this like personal vendetta against like gods. <laughs> oh, and we, mm -hmm. we got to talk about the best line that now I don't need to bleep <laughs> oh. for YouTube where, uh, oh, what, what, what did Kaladin say? I like Calden just says, wit never gives me answers, at least not straight <laughs> ones. And Badger just says, that's because wit's an asshole. And I was like, yeah, so good. And now uh, I guess what we got to do is we, we have to, uh, we, that's unbleeped. That, that's canon. Yep. That's, and yep. it makes sense for Vasher to swear uh, like that. Mm -hmm. And so that, so I guess I got to remove it from the word filters, but that still doesn't yep. mean you can say other members are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't so, be mean so with don't, it. Don't but, be that, we can... but, but but now I have to, you know, have that so we can quote this incredible line, which is so just true. Because like you... <laughs> mm -hmm. we just never tells like anything you... useful. Mm -hmm. And no. just like you can say that Adolin in fact shed himself. That's mm -hmm. like... yes, awesome. Yes, uh, that that <laughs> that is true. Uh, but only that he shed himself, not that he. Yes, will, that's right. Might do it again. That's right. <laughs> so really cool. Uh, and and yeah. while we're wrapping up, I wanted to tell people, 
guys, there's only there's only going to be after this. There's only four more episodes of Rhythm of Previews. Uh, the, we'll, <laughs> so exciting. We'll we'll be doing something after the book's out, and I will formally join. Not like this. Uh, <laughs> but we'll 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 do something uh to continue this for uh people to to see maybe full book reactions. We'll see what that's like. Okay, I'm gonna go away now. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> so <laughs> that was chapter 15. So exciting. Mm-hmm. And um you can find all of these chapters at 9 a.m. Eastern time on tour.com. We'll also let you know on 17thshard.com at 9 a.m. when they come out. And you can discuss them with us on our Discord, on our forums, in the comments, wherever. We'd love to talk about it with you. Bye. See you next week.